This episode is brought to you in part by The Table Podcast from the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm Daryl Bach, one of the hosts, and I invite you to join us as we discuss issues of God and culture, which includes anything and everything. Listen on your podcast app or at dts.edu slash the table. You're listening to episode 120. So what do I do now? Of the in-between podcast where you'll discover ideas to build a strong, connected, and joy-filled marriage and family. My name is Daniel M. And I'm Christina M. Well, as you can tell from the title of today's episode, Adult Friendships 201, that there was a 101, and that was found on episode 118, where we discussed four different categories of relationships. So we're going to be digging a little bit deeper, building off of that foundation. So if you haven't yet listened to Adult Friendships 101, which is actually episode 118, then you're going to want to find episode 118 on your podcasting app or just go to inbetween.org slash episode 118 to tune in. We ended off our previous episode about adult friendships with the fact that we needed to discuss the next steps after understanding these four relational categories. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing on this episode. We're going to be discussing the next steps. Yeah. So before we break down what those next steps are, just as a quick refresher, let's go over those four categories of relationships. The first one is friends. Those are the people who are relational assets to you and not liabilities. It's a relationship where you can be your true 100% authentic self. The next category is associates. And associates are relationships where you have a common interest or just simply intersecting schedules uh, that brings you and the other person together. So it might be because of work or because you're a part of the same group or part of the same church or whatever that might be. Or, you know, here's another soccer mom that you're together with. So the nature of the relationship is friendly, but there isn't really a desire to go deeper into the relationship um, until you can trust them. The third category is called the assignments, and that is a person who is a trainee, a mentee, and or an advisee. It's when you, as the mentor, are in a relationship with someone where they are the mentee. So once again, you are the mentor, and you are helping someone else. And the flip side is that of advisors. This is the fourth category of relationships. And this is where an individual, someone else, is mentoring you for a limited amount of time. All right. So once again, I know we went through that super quickly and you may be like, ah, I don't really understand everything. Yes, you need to go back to inbetween.org slash episode 118, where we literally take much more time to be able to break down these categories because there's lots of little nuggets that we weren't able to break down as we uh, discuss this in like two minutes. (laughs) Yeah. So now that we know these four categories, really, the next step is to learn to discern who is in your life and what category they are currently in, friend, associate, assignment, or advisor, and whether or not they should actually be there. Without taking this intentional step, honestly, you're just going to continue to live in a constant state of relationship frustration where there's just going to be a lack of clarity where you might think someone is in this category, they might think you're in another category, and you just have misplaced uh, and unmet expectations. Exactly, Daniel. So let's get into how do we do this? So as we walk through these steps, our encouragement is that you bring someone to mind. 
maybe it's one or a few people that you're like, yeah, I wonder which category they fit in and allow us to guide you in working through these steps of reflection, evaluation and acceptance so that you can yeah, see if see if you've placed them in the right category or just so that we can help you place them in the right category. So let's start with the first step, which is that of reflection. Yes, this is a really important step, especially in a world that moves and changes at lightning speed rates, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Reflection is not really something that many of us really have even the time to do unless we make the time to do it. And that's exactly what we're going to ask you to do. We're going to ask you to take the time to reflect upon your relationships, even if it involves some sort of pain. Mm Mm-hmm. I know many of us, including myself, when there's awkwardness, when there's pain, when there's a, I don't really know what's going on with this person, it's easy just to kind of push them aside. We call it ghosting sometimes, or maybe it's just that we uh, delete them off of Facebook or Instagram and just call it a day, uh, out of sight, out of mind. But really, by taking this time of reflecting upon these quote-unquote awkward relationships, it's really a critical aspect of relational intelligence. This is because all of us must be willing to hit the pause button on certain relationships when necessary. Did you hear me? I didn't say X them out of your screen. I said that we have to be willing to hit the pause button. Hmm, That's a great distinction. I think in our world of increased polarization Mm -hmm. and the black and white, the pause button often goes away, right? And it's just, no, I'm going to stop. I'm going to go to my next show or I'm going to ditch this entire series because of this one scene or whatever it is. And yeah, I think especially as it relates to relationships, because there's so much more multifaceted than TV shows, uh, we do need to be willing to hit that. So the first and most important conversation you need to have is with yourself. You need to give yourself the permission to essentially have a non-judgmental internal conversation. Oh, that's really hard, isn't it? Well, maybe <laughs> some, maybe it's not for some people. Mm. But for me, especially as a person who has this chronic people-pleasing syndrome, that's to even dissect a relationship or a friendship in my head and have that uh, ongoing like, oh, do I really like this person? Does this person fit into this category? How does this person make me feel? Even if I have negative emotions that come up, sometimes I just want to quickly squash them down because it feels sort of the unchristian thing, right? Mm -hmm. You get caught up in judging emotions like, "Oh, oh, actually, I shouldn't really feel this way about this person. Because maybe if I just love them more, maybe if I just show them some more grace and understanding in mercy, then uh, they'll be fine and we can move on in this relationship. And I really don't take the time to listen to my emotions and ask myself, wait, actually, why do I feel this way about this person? Mm -hmm. Authors Dan Allender and Tremper Longman suggest that our emotions are messengers. Essentially, they are messengers that can vocalize the inner workings of our souls. So if you're having a difficult time putting words to your emotions or just feeling your emotions in general, here are a few probing questions you can ask yourself about the relationships in your life. Number one, am I frustrated? And if you're frustrated, why and where and what causes what caused that frustration in the first place? 
Another question you can ask yourself upon reflection is, what am I actually expecting of this person or relationship that isn't being met currently or in the past? Mm -hmm. And do I feel drained? Right. There's this aspect of relationships can fill you, they can drain you, or they can kind of leave you as you were before. But if you're feeling drained, then that is an indicator. Another question to really sit down and ponder about is what am I feeling and why am I feeling it? Mm -hmm. And what's missing in my life that's needed? Being Enneagram 3s, it can sometimes be difficult to even know what we're feeling right. uh, or even let alone acknowledge it, right? We just want to achieve and push through and feelings are going to hold us back. So let's just <laughs> you know, toss it to the side and just keep on going it. But honestly, sitting down and acknowledging your emotions and understanding, hey, this isn't just something that makes you weak. This isn't just something peripheral, but this is a part of you is going to be huge. I know for me personally, there have been many relationships in my life where I have thought that someone was an advisor to me. And in the end, they didn't see me as an assignment <laughs> or otherwise I've seen other people as assignments and they didn't see me as an advisor. And when they placed me and then they actually saw me as an associate or even as a friend. And when that mix up happens, I know for me, the immediate my immediate reaction is just to push it aside and be like, oh, whatever, I'm just going to not hit the pause button. I'm going to X them. I, you know, there's very few people that have actually unfriended, <laughs> but you know, you just kind of stop interacting with them Silence and then, they, yeah, yeah, days. exactly. And they just go away <laughs> and that's not healthy. It's not healthy at all. So I know for me personally, reflection and understanding and processing my emotions is huge. It's been for me too, Daniel, uh, especially as reflecting back on, you know, this has been a difficult year for everybody and I'm very like, okay, am I feeling sad? Am I feeling happy? Am I feeling mad? Am I feeling, you know, and it's sort of like that primary color wheel. <laughs> as if you could think about that, it's like you see the, the world in red, blue and yellow, right? But really when you're studying color and you're learning about that, you can have so many different shades of those primary colors to make beautiful, beautiful, different arrays and tones of color. And this is what I've been learning as well. A big help to us and for me especially has been to use a feeling wheel because it helps me just get out of my quote unquote primary emotions or thinking like, hey, I'm just I'm just mad when really maybe there's more to it. Yeah, this has been really fun. Christina printed this out and laminated it and put it on the side of our fridge. And it's been honestly at, at first I was like, oh, this looks colorful. This is pretty neat. But whatever. I don't really care. It's feelings. <laughs> uh, but it's been amazing the number of times that we've actually referenced it and we've had meaningful conversations just super quickly, even with you, Christina, asking me, OK, can you tell me which three of these feelings? you're feeling and I didn't want to break <laughs> I didn't want to talk about feelings but when you're like no, no no seriously let's do this please do this for me do you remember that conversation yes. and you're like you looked at me in the eyes you slowed me down and you're like just please answer this for me and we actually had a really good conversation afterwards mm -hmm. 
and then we watched Netflix afterwards, but we had a really good <laughs> conversation where we didn't just push our feelings aside and drown them out, but we were, um, yeah, it was super beneficial. So Christina, give us for, for everyone listening that they're like, what in the world are you talking about? Feeling wheel? Why don't you help us understand what this is? The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babylon, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. Well, sometimes for y'all, especially if you're not driving, you're not doing something else and you have the chance to get to your computer or you have your iPhone uh, handy, you can literally go to inbetween.org slash episode 120. And that is going to, we'll link uh, the feeling wheel by the Gottman Institute into our show notes because sometimes a picture is worth a thousand words. So, but for those who may not be able to do it right away, let me just give you a little bit of a taste of what the feeling wheel is. So there are basically, there is a center with different, more of your primary emotions. So you're mad, scared, joyful, powerful, peaceful, sad. And then there's a secondary wheel into that where it breaks up more feelings. Let's take sad, for example. And then um, if you're feeling sad, perhaps you're actually feeling guilty, ashamed, depressed, lonely, bored, or even sleepy. And then there's a third tertiary category from the sadness part that uh, even goes into more of it. So for example, perhaps you're feeling inadequate, inferior, apathetic, and really the basis of that feeling is sadness. But as we are able to use more words for our emotions, we can really tell, oh, one of them is I feel stupid. And that's actually the base of it, of it is, oh, that's, I, I feel sad. I feel sad that I don't know something. Yeah, exactly, Christina. I know a couple weeks ago, I received a pretty nasty email, some criticism that came my way. And initially, I felt sad. And when I felt that emotion, I could have just left it right at that emotion, which I did for quite a little bit, (laughs) (laughs) but eventually came around and I was like, okay, so why do I feel this way? Looking at the feeling wheel, my sadness, I could have just left it at that or actually to go the second tier, I could have actually felt guilty. So it was like, am I feeling guilty? And as I was reflecting, I was like, no, I don't, I don't feel guilty. Do I feel ashamed? Yeah, kind of. Do I feel depressed? Yeah, a little bit. Mm -hmm. Do I feel lonely? Uh, a A tiny bit. Do I feel bored? No. Do I feel sleepy? No. So then when I filled it out a little bit more and I was like, okay, so if I felt ashamed and if I feel ashamed, then, then that could also mean that I feel stupid. Do I feel stupid? Well, Based on this person's comment, I do kind of feel Hmm. stupid. And then do I feel depressed a little bit? Well, to fill that out into the third tier, well, that that means that I could feel miserable. And I was like, yeah, I actually really do feel miserable and lonely. I mean, I don't really feel alone, but the feeling after that is feeling inadequate. 
And as I was looking at that, I was like, oh yeah, no, I feel sad, but actually the better words to describe what I was actually feeling was inadequate, miserable, and stupid. Hmm. And when you push your emotions, not push them away, but when you kind of flesh them out in this way and understand, then it's actionable, right? Then you're like, well, I, you know, what does our culture say about sadness? We'll just stop being sad, right? right? Turn it on its head <laughs> and make it something that you can improve or something. Exactly, exactly. But then when you have it articulated out to be like stupid, well, am I stupid? No, I'm actually not stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, am I miserable? No, actually, I'm not that miserable. Do I feel inadequate? Well, yeah, based on what that person said, they really did make me feel inadequate. And then you can actionize what to do with that relationship. Exactly. I love how you're using that practical example, Daniel, that if you had just stayed in the moment of sadness and Mm. didn't take the time to reflect about some of these questions like, where am I feeling frustrated or what is a need I'm I'm actually needing what is what is something that I'm expecting that isn't being met or what's missing in my life these kind of stopping and pausing and and really looking inward then you would have missed that opportunity first of all to bring it to God because if you just you know I mean if it's one of those prayers like God make it better amen Mm. or really being like hey is there something in my life that I am looking for elsewhere Rather than you, God, am I looking for people to fill a void in my life where really ultimately you're the only one who can do that? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, you know, now that you're past that or you've grown out of that, looking back and being like, those were those were really hard emotions, but you really grew from that. Oh, completely. Right. Because the flip side of not learning from it and just pushing it aside is that next time it happens. And there gonna, will be a next yeah, time. <laughs> you're going to feel it the exact same way. Mm-hmm. Or you're just going to, in a very rudimentary sense, push it away or push them away or just X them out and, and mm-hmm. you're not even going to hit the pause, right? So even in that example, I hit the pause. I was able to wrestle through my emotions in that manner. And actually, the relationship now is healthy because I was able to process that give that to God. And now I know future for it. I grew from that. I was like, okay, so I know now how to deal when deal with myself. And I was Mm -hmm. able to set boundaries also, but also deal with future situations because they are going to come. I am going to get more of those emails inevitably. (laughs) I'm sure. Because we're we're broken. Exactly. Right? Yep. So, but I love how Daniel taking that time is you didn't just learn another coping skill. Mm-hmm. You were able to really heal. Yeah. Yeah. So to grab a copy of that, just go to inbetween.org slash episode 120. So when you think about all of your relationships, first and foremost, we do need to reflect. And then after we reflect, we need to evaluate. So while reflection is an internal process, it's something that you're looking inward and doing yourself, evaluation is an external exercise. And this exercise should not be confused with making judgments about someone's character. I know how easy it is for us to go there sometimes, (laughs) right? Yeah. But it's not. It is more about evaluating your personal experiences with this person and determining what that means and says to you. So we appreciate the clarification that Darius Daniels makes in his book. He says, Jesus is the ultimate expression of relational intelligence. He is the most influential figure in human history. 
and part of his productivity can be attributed to the way he managed relationships. He engaged in a practice of fruit inspection, like it says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 17 to 20. Every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So if Jesus says we could recognize people by their fruit, then he is encouraging us to actually engage, like we're asking you to do, in an act of evaluation. So how exactly do we do this? Well, in order to evaluate the fruit of someone, we must ask the right questions to give us more clarity. And we're not talking about, are you a banana or you're an orange? (laughs) (laughs) No, we're going to go into a little bit more detail than that. So the first question you actually uh, ask yourself has nothing to do with the other person. You need to ask yourself, where am I? Yeah, exactly. Before you can evaluate someone else, it's absolutely imperative for you to know where you are. So you need to ask yourself, where am I emotionally? Where am I mentally? Where am I physically? Where am I spiritually? And when you give yourself a quick grade on each of those, then ask yourself, why did I give myself a five physically and a two emotionally and a eight spiritually why did i give myself those grades so that you can determine why you are where you are right if we can't actually locate where we are ourselves it's going to be really hard to determine where we want a relationship to go and therefore won't actually know who is supposed to go with us yeah the second question is what do i need So this question requires another layer of thoughtfulness because saying I need a good friend in my life is actually quite circumstantial. So think to yourself, what is good in one season of your life may actually not be good in another. So it's important to be specific in identifying your needs. Right. We should ask ourselves, what kind of relationship will add the most value to me and what do these people need to be like? By the time this podcast drops, it will actually be one year since we have experienced our our first car accident and I suffered a brain concussion where I could literally do nothing except lay down and sleep. In that season, I needed friends in my life to help out with basic things that I couldn't do myself, which I usually could, but couldn't do things myself like pick up groceries, do errands, and even the the easy things of making a dinner. I just didn't have energy to do that. I felt so blessed to have those needs met by friends. In that season, people inviting me to go out for dinner or out for coffee was not something I needed. Actually, that would be really detrimental to my health. Hmm. Now that I'm thankfully mostly recovered from my concussion, I'm in a different season. I don't need my friends to make me meals, even though that's not, I mean, if you want to, you want to pick up my groceries, sure. (laughs) If you want to do my errands, that's great. But that's not actually what I need or what I would hope for, uh, hope that a friend would do. However, I do need friends to be able to, which I couldn't do before, but now I can to hang out with and go to coffee with and spend time with together. Yeah, so to evaluate the fruit of others in our lives, we need to ask ourselves, where am I? What do I need? We also need to ask, what do I have, right? What am I bringing into the relationship? Because it's important to consider what contribution 
I am making and also what contribution others are making into our lives. And the third question is, what do I have? It's important to consider what contribution individuals in each of these four categories are currently making in your life. Now, underline the word currently, because it's easy to think about what someone did 10 years ago and hold on to that. But in order to address how a relationship has evolved and changed, it's important to think about what a person is giving you today. Mm -hmm. And some of y'all might be listening and feeling really uncomfortable because it sounds so selfish or one-sided, right? Well, the purpose of these questions are not about being the kind of friend you want. That's a different conversation for a different time and one that actually Darius expands on in his book, Relational Intelligence. If you go to inbetween.org slash episode 120, we'll have a link to his book there. But for this podcast, the questions we are posing are about the kind of value your relationship should add to your life. I'm going to say it again, the kind of value your relationship should add to your life. Yeah, we love how Darius clarifies it in his book. It's not being self-centered, it's about stewardship. You must be a good steward of your life and be clear relationally on what you need. So after examining what kind of relationships you have, it's time to draw some conclusions from your answers. If you aren't getting what you need at all, why? If you're getting a little of what you need, it's possible you have people in the wrong place in your life. Which then brings us to our final question, which is, what do I need to do? The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babyland, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books, available wherever books are sold. So now that you know where you are in your current life situation and you understand what you need during this season of life and then you've examined what kind of relationships you have currently, it's time to ask yourself, so what do I need to do? So do I need to realign someone to a different category? Perhaps this person was a friend before and then they became an advisee. And so you need to make that switch because it's no longer a mutual relationship. You are giving them something and they're not necessarily giving you something in return. In addition to that, you can ask yourself, does someone need to be removed from my life? Perhaps because it's a toxic relationship. Or do you need to pursue a relationship, a relationship that you don't have at the moment, but you need because you need to grow in that one area? So perhaps it's about asking someone to step into the advisor role for this season of your life. I know those four questions are important, Daniel, but I really think the last point of what do I need to do is all is somewhere where a lot of us really feel uncomfortable because it causes us to make action. Yeah. Especially if it means saying goodbye to someone in your life because they're toxic. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, Christina, I, I think it could actually be as equally challenging for some individuals to ask others to be advisors to them. 
because maybe mm-hmm. you've always had this sense of, oh, I could figure it out or I could look it up on the internet or I don't really need another person's help. But really, there's so much wisdom. And, and you know, honestly, Google can't show you what your blind spots are. Right. <laughs> but another person can. You can't even see what your blind spots are because it's they're blind for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. They're blind spots for a reason. So that's why the having others as advisors in our lives is so important. Right. And I'll add to that, that it helps to, especially if you're at a different season in your life, whether it's you're starting a job or you're making a career switch, perhaps you're graduating from school or getting married, to have an advisor to be able to, to hold you accountable mm-hmm. in those places where it's really easy to give up or to believe lies that we've you know seen in Hollywood or, or why is this person doing it this way and I can't do it that way, so on and so forth. It's really helpful to have those people who you trust and who want the best for you to be able to help you make those decisions. Mm-hmm. All right, so hopefully you've been thinking about different individuals in your life and you've reflected on, okay, are they friends? Are they associates? Are they assignments? Or are they advisors, right? You reflected and then you evaluated to identify what, uh, where, where they were and, and what also you need and what you now need to do in light of all of that. So now that we've talked about the reflection and the evaluation step, which included those four questions, let's wrap up with the final step, which is acceptance. So really, we need to ask ourselves, why do we need to spend so much time reflecting and evaluating on our relationships? Isn't it easier to just X people out? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's important because who you choose to be in relationship with really matters. It affects your life and it affects theirs. Hmm. So perhaps you're looking back on your relationships like we've been asking you to do and finding it difficult to accept what you see. Unfortunately, our emotional attachment to others will sometimes blind us to the reality of where they are in our own life and whether it's safe for us to be in relationship with them. Hmm. I had a huge realization of this when I reevaluated a past friendship of more than 25 years. We grew up together and were best friends in high school. As time went on, we remained in contact here and there. And before understanding the four categories of relationships that we've talked about, I had wrongly assumed that because this person used to be in the friendship category, then this person should remain in that category forever, right? We've had a long friendship. However, I became increasingly frustrated with this relationship because this person was not actually acting like the friend that I needed them to be or wrongly assumed like they should act because this is the way I need a friend to act. In the end, though painful, I had to accept that this friendship had just changed over the years. It happens, right? So this person was not a friend and was no longer in a friendship category, but more of an assignment. Yeah, and just to clarify, that doesn't mean that person is any less. No, not at all. And just because someone is in the assignment or the friendship or the advisor or the associate area, I mean, the category, that doesn't... That has nothing to do with their with that person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all about setting the right expectation so that you can have healthy 
relationships in your lives. Completely. It was really more about me, right? By readjusting this relationship from a friendship to an assignment category, it freed myself and really it freed this person from my expectations of what a good friend or how a good friend should act like. So I do believe that, you know, in this day and age, I need a friend and I would, my expectations for a friend would be that we are mutually giving to each other. We're not jealous. We're not, you know, vying for each other's attention, so on and so forth. We're going to celebrate each other's successes and we're going to be there for each other when stuff kind of just falls apart. And that person was not there for me in those things. So I was really hurt thinking that that friend should be like that. But when I put them into the assignment category, I realized, hey, we have a lot of past history together, which is great, but I'm not going to go to that person as a friend. I'm going to go to somebody else and vice versa. And because of that, I can look upon our 25 years of togetherness really fondly instead of being like, ugh, what a waste. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, both on episode 118 and on today's episode, we've covered quite a bit (laughs) as it relates to relationships and friendships. But honestly, there's so much more that we could probably cover. So if you want to dig deeper into this and into what we've covered specifically, we do want to encourage you and highly recommend Darius Daniels' book, Relational Intelligence, the people skills you need for the life of purpose you want. You can find a link to that book and all the resources we mentioned on this podcast, including that feeling wheel at inbetween.org slash episode 120. And we do want to encourage you that if there's someone that came to mind as you were listening to this episode to just hit the share button. You can hit the share button on this one and also on episode 118 and just in your podcast app and share that with them. Or you can just send them the link in between.org slash episode 118 or in between.org slash episode 120. And we'd be grateful if you could spread the news. All right. Well, on next week's episode, what are we going to be talking about? We're going to be inviting Drew Mosier back on our podcast again and interview him about using the Enneagram in the sphere of discernment. Awesome. Well, we'll catch you next time.